My name is Scott Hemingway. I'm the interim pastor here. And this morning I have the privilege of uh, carrying on with you and doing a bit of an interview with you. Uh, not a bit. We're going to do an interview with you. And uh, part of this is that we're going to go through our, our entire staff so that we get a little bit of an understanding of who we are, what we're doing, and uh, what we're about. And we have chosen, uh, we started with Alana, we're going to do you, and we're actually going to do Alicia after that. And the reason why these three in that order is that out of all the staff who have uh, who've been here, their job description has changed from when COVID started to now. And we thought it would be great for you to be able to go, well, what, what is she doing? What does she do here? And, and so that's where really we're going to start. Uh, so what is your role now, Marita? <laughs> Well, my role um, is care ministry. I I just say it's all-encompassing care ministry. So I've had the privilege of being a part of this New Life community and being employed here for 15 years serving the Lord. And um, it has been the most exciting 15 years of my life. And it's been the most satisfying 15 years of my life because all I'm asked to do is love people. That's it. I get to love on people. Now, in that, um, situations are brought to my attention where there is need, need of all kinds, whether people are sick, whether they're struggling financially, whether they're going through a crisis, there's a death in the family, whether they just need a shoulder to lean on, someone to share a burden with, I have the privilege of being able to walk alongside that person for that part of their journey. That's good. And I can, I can tell you as a church, having Marita in, in this place, in this position, it, it is so nice. Uh, we work together a lot. Um, we meet weekly. We, we talk about what's happening with, with all of you in the church and, uh, and how we can meet those needs. So it is a real blessing to, uh, to have you yeah. in that place. And I just want to interject here because in my meetings with Scott, we had a really important meeting, oh, a couple of months back. And um, it's fair to say that the last two and a half, three years have been very difficult. Mm-hmm. And my role here changed considerably and the church wasn't meeting for a while and there's been a staff turnover. And I didn't know it, but in chatting with Scott, Scott was able to go, Marita, do you think you're grieving what was? And it just sunk into me. That's exactly what I was doing. I had no idea what was the ill within me, but it didn't feel right. But when Scott was able to name it, I could claim it and I could accept it and deal with it. And I was able to give up what was the past, what new life was. And I was able to begin embracing this current new life and our future. And it just feels so good and so exciting. I'm excited. That's great because (laughs) I am too, but that's my next question is uh, what excites you? What brings you the greatest joy in what you do right now? Right now, the greatest joy I'm having is watching people within our congregation stepping into such vital roles of caring for one another. Um, The evolution of home groups 
and um, watching them surround. And because of the nature of what I do, I can't always say specific instances because it would make perhaps the people involved uncomfortable. But I can attest and witness that I have seen such phenomenal love within life groups. I've seen life groups surround and help one of their members that are broken, uh, that are going through an illness, that are struggling, and it can be practical ways. They can maybe install a wheelchair ramp. They can maybe go over and clean a house. They can be there when someone's going through a crisis, you know, support by meals. I've seen things that just about bring me to tears. I think it's just so beautiful to watch the love within this church body in action. That's good. And then over the last six months, say, um, what do you feel God has been teaching you? What has God been tapping Marita on the shoulder and been saying, hey, Marita? He's been hauling me up short because... Um, I'd let myself really sink, you know, I'd let myself kind of get jaded and, um, I don't know, a little stale in my walk. And um, it was just really nice to get a refreshed, fresh infill of the Lord and a new vision and a new beginning in my heart. So to me, it's accountability. Like if I'm not feeling happy about something, that's usually got more to do about who I am than what the current situation is. Good. Well, I thank you for sharing, Marita. And probably more, I'm just thankful that you are sharing um, with the church your gift, your passion, and your love. And it, it it is uh, it's appreciated, and I know that it helps us as a, as a church family. But I'm not going to let you go without asking you five questions. <laughs> okay? There's no wrong answer. I always tell people there's no wrong answer. You might be surprised. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> All right, question one. Oil or water paints? Uh, oil. All right. Question two. If uh, you were going to own a pet, would it be a cat or a dog? A dog. Okay. Which is your favorite season, and you can't say all? No, I can't. Summer. Perfect. Uh, do you prefer going on a cruise ship or flying to a... a, a... Cruise ship all the way. <laughs> flying terrifies me. All right, last question. Are you more of a sunset or a sunrise person? I am a sunset person, but the way my house is situated gives me a sunrise. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Rita. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, before I go very much further, I, I do have to, uh, I did make a confession about my shoes. Have you noticed my shoes? Oh, yeah. Those are, aren't those great shoes? Um, and uh, it just happens to be somebody in the church that knows that I have a shoe fetish. And, and I've been really trying to work on this with the Lord. But uh, uh, Michael, he noticed that I like red shoes. And so he bought me these, these Vans red shoes. And um, I don't know if I'm a really cool uh, camp director or former youth pastor. But anyways, I'm just loving them. 
I, I apologize if, if, they, if they make you feel uncomfortable, but they don't make me feel comfortable at all. And um, I know Ken had his preaching pants, and I'm just thinking these are my preaching shoes. I just, <laughs> all right. Uh, <clears throat> well, this morning, uh, it, it's, uh, it's great to be back with you. Rain and I had a great time away uh, visiting family. We were up in Edmonton visiting Raina's uh, mom and brothers and aunts and uncles, and it was, uh, it was great, and the mosquitoes were not good. Um, and uh, then we came down, and we, we were able to spend time with our boys and their, and their wives. And it was just a really fantastic time. We hadn't seen some of them for two years. And we, uh, we played in the water, and we played a bunch of games. And, uh, and our boys are good cooks. I mean, they, they, they just amazed me. We had fresh pasta dinner, and we had steak dinner and mashed potatoes. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I don't know where they got it from. Uh, they got it from Reina. But it was really fun just to spend time together and laugh together, and we're just real, a real blessing. Uh, but it's great to be back here this morning with you. And we're going to look at 1 John. Uh, so if you have your Bibles and you turn to um, 1 John, come on, work for me. It's not buzzing. There we go. Did you do that, Anna? You did that. I wonder what happened to this thing. Oh, am I good? All right. Okay, there we go. Uh, so we're going to look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. And um, I don't know about you, but I like competition. I'm a type of a guy that uh, in, enjoys competition. And not only do I enjoy competition, but I actually enjoy winning. I know you're not supposed to, right? It's just supposed to be for fun. But no, I like to win when I am competing. The, there is a problem with it, though. Is the problem is, is that uh, when I'm doing team sports, especially, I get, I get quite nervous. And uh, the nerves start to, to, to well up inside of me. And uh, my heart rate will increase. My stomach starts to feel a little bit nauseous. And, 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 I, and I, I know what it is. My, my reason why I'm that way is that I'm afraid to fail uh, my team. I don't want to let my team down. And I, when I get up to bat, I want to be able to hit the ball and get on base or drive people in. Uh, when I'm out there catching, I want to be able to catch a ball and not, not fail or throw the ball in the right spot. So I don't want to mess up for my team. Here's the thing, is that this morning I want to talk uh, on the part of being more than conquerors. Because as Christians, as Christians... Uh, we are more than conquerors. We are on the winning side. Just an amen. Just one amen. There we go. Good, good. Uh, this is Scott after he's had some time off, all right? Uh, amen, because we are. We are more than conquerors. And I want to look at that this morning with us. In Romans 8, 37, it's that part in there where, where, where Paul says, he says the words, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. What a beautiful statement. What a, what a wonderful thing for us to wrap our, our, our Christian walk around and live in and live by. And so I, we, we are on the winning side. I always like being on the winning side, although I cheer for the underdogs in all my sports. All of them are all the underdogs. But, uh, but when they win, boy, do they win. And, and what we are on the winning side. So I want to look at these verses this morning. And 
Okay, I wasn't planning on reading it from there, but I obviously didn't put it here. So, let me, uh, let me see how well I can do up there. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves the, his child. I better read up here. Um, loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love of God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that, we, that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6, amen, I heard that. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony because God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. There's a lot to unpack in there. We're not going to get all of it unpacked, but we're going to sure give it a try. The first thing that I want us to focus on is actually that verse, the first uh, um, verse four. And it says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is really uh, total domination. The words in there, Jesus has overcome the world. He hasn't just come and 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 died and rose and overcome death. He has totally dominated sin and death. Total domination. That's who God is. That's who Jesus Christ is as a risen Savior. That's the one in which you and I say we believe in. Jesus is totally dominant. He dominates the world. Yes, sin is here. And yes, Satan, he's, he's a ruler and the power of the prince of this era. We, 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 we know that. But in Christ, you and I, as believers, are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. The victory has been gained. He doesn't hope that he can hang on to what he has done. So Christ didn't, didn't uh, conquer sin and death, and he hopes to hang on to it, hopes that he doesn't lose it. There's no way he can lose the victory that he has over sin and darkness. That is so good. That is so good for us. And so important for us. The grave cannot claim victory. Death cannot claim victory. Sin cannot claim victory. And darkness cannot claim victory. Jesus has overcome them all. That is the Jesus that you and I say that we believe in. The grave, death, sin and darkness cannot claim victory. Jesus has overcome them all. I know that you and I, more than likely, will take our last breaths here on this earth. And this, that we know our body, we say that we die. But in Christ, we don't die. We're alive. We are alive. We're in Christ. We step out of time and into eternity, but you and I have eternal life. 
there's another part, and that is that this, this victory is a conquest of the world, and, and, and it's in the source of temptation, uh, the source of temptation and discretion. There is that, that's the victory that is there. That is what we have, is that there's a domination, a conquest over temptation in Christ. There's a conquest over the power of evil. Jesus has overcome that. And therefore, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers in the world. N.T. Wright, I love the way he puts it. He says, all other wins, win victories by fighting, but this one by suffering. All other gods exercise power by killing, this one by dying. And then he goes on and he says this, no other god No other power, no other being in all the world loves like this, gives like this, dies like this. That's a Jesus who has overcome the world. Total domination. There's no other God. There's no other power. There's no other being in all the world that loves like this, that that gives like this, and dies like this. It gets me fired up. It gets me excited. It gets me going, yes, that is the hope that I have. That is what I hold on to. And that is what we come to remember today in the Lord's Supper. We're remembering the victory that took place on the cross, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So here's a question. How do we live what Christ has already done. That's a million dollar question, is it not? We want to live in victory. We want to live in conquest. We want to live in that hope. How do we do it? Now, I think the answer sounds easy. Faith. But following through is hard. I want to go back to our first few verses that we started off with. The verses starting in verse 1. It says, everyone who believes faith that Jesus is Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the Father and his children as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Faith. To love him and to carry out his commands is something we do in faith. In fact, this is the love of God, to keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The only way that you and I can love others is to believe, have faith in in the teachings of Jesus. He told us that the only way to follow him is to deny ourselves. Our faith in what he has taught is an important part of what we do. We, we talked, I talked a, a few weeks ago about practicing righteousness, and, and, and I said in the fall, we're going to come back to that, we're going to look at that more, and that's so important because practicing righteousness is not something in which we're trying to earn the salvation, but it's practicing what we have. So we put you in front of a vehicle, and when you're 16 years old, right, remember those days? And we, we, we have you practice how to drive. Now, some of you, maybe they threw you the keys and said, just go drive. Maybe some of you out there are that way. 
Maybe, Mr. Hickman, maybe that's how you learned how to drive. You just got into a vehicle and you just drove. You didn't take any lessons at all. You just got in that vehicle and you just drove. It could have happened to him. At 98 years old, that's the way maybe he learned how to drive. But for most of us, we were taught by our parents, which probably was a mistake, um, or by a, somebody that had no, knew how to give us the instructions, but we practice how to drive. And hopefully, many of you today would say you're a good driver. Um, I would think that if I had to go pass my driving test, I probably would fail in a few areas. I roll through a few stops, maybe I maybe go too fast, I, some things like that. My point is this, is it starts with us believing that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing that he died on the cross for our sins, believing that he rose from the dead, believing that we have victory in him. And it starts in that faith that this is true, and then we begin to practice, practice it. By faith, we are trusting in the words of Jesus that God's ways are not our ways. By faith, we are trusting that, what, that when Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. We are trusting in that, those words. Ultimately, then, being born of God through Christ is where we have victory. Let's look at the next verses here. John draws our attention to the testimony that Jesus is the overcomer. And he says again, and I'll read it again, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. The three are in agreement. Why is this? What is he saying? I, when I read this, I don't know. Maybe those of you that just really theologically, you can just click right into it. I read it and I go, what are you saying here? What? You know, so you get to dive in. and you, Maybe hopefully what I share with you will help to understand this. But I see this is, is we have the testimony of God here. That, that we're being told this is the truth. And when Jesus says, the truth will set you free, this is the truth. Jesus Christ is truly the Son of God. Jesus Christ truly died on the cross. And so it's a testimony of God. Um, here's what I see. I see that, that there's this testimony of God. What did I put up here, really? Ah, he, uh, <laughs> He says the spirit testifies to our spirit all truth. Amen? We have the Holy Spirit in us. And that Holy Spirit is God. And it testifies this is true. You ever read something in the Bible and it's just like, whoa, yes, I get it. You read something in the Bible and God says, whoa, you better get this. Like, you better stop doing what you're doing. That's the testimony of the spirit, which is God, which says this is true. So reading the word of God, if we're just simply reading the word of God, hoping to get something out of it without coming and saying, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me the testimony of the Holy Spirit in our life is a testimony that says God is true. Jesus Christ is true. 
Secondly, when it says the water testifies, Jesus' baptism, it was at that moment where Jesus was baptized. Remember, he, he came out of the water and, and God said, this is my son. God testified that Jesus is the son of God. It's important for us because if Jesus is just another God or a person, then what we do today means nothing. It has no power. It's a ritual. It's a religious practice. But if he is the son of God, which he is, it's power. It's a testimony that he has conquered. And then last is that the blood testifies. Jesus' death and resurrection, ultimately the resurrection declares the victory, the victory that we have over sin and darkness. 1 Corinthians talks about, in 11.26, uh, uh, it talks about that, that we come to the communion table and we come to the communion table and, and every time we do it, we declare, we declare the work of Jesus Christ. We give testimony to what Jesus has done. We declare that. It says that, that God God raised Christ from the dead. The same power that he exerted, he, he exerted this power to raise Christ from the dead. In the cosmics, in the realm, in the heavenly realms, Christ rising from the dead declared that, Jesus, that God is God. Today, we are making declaration. We are making a declaration that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he rose. We are making a declaration that there is victory in Jesus. Maybe you sit here and you go, well, Scott, if you knew my life, if you knew where I don't have victory, and we're all on a journey, we're all on a journey. This isn't talking about being sinless. But it is saying that you and I can live in hope. And more importantly, the hope is, is that we do have victory over sin and darkness. But it's not just a matter of saying it, it is a matter of practicing it. And one of our practices is coming to the table to remember what Jesus Christ has done and declaring that he has died for me and he has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. So when I come and I, I sit before him, even in my own time, my quiet time. Sometimes I have to slow down and I just have to, simp I have to say, God, what do you want to say to me? How do you want to speak to me? And that's hard because it takes time. And I don't have a lot of time. Do you? You've got things to do. You've got places to go. You've got people to be with. You have social media to check.
But my greatest times of victory is when I sit before the Lord and I, and I, and I wait to let him speak to me. My greatest times of victory is when I'm, when I'm with somebody and I'm telling them, I messed up. And they say, let's travel together. We are more than conquerors, people. We are more than conquerors. So I want to come to the communion table and I want us to recognize that just as God has made the declaration through the spirit, through the baptism, through the blood of Christ, we today are making a declaration of who Jesus is and the victory we have in him.